0: Welcome to church. If you are with us for the first time, I'm, I'm Jonathan. I have the privilege of pastoring in this community of believers. And um, we are having a good time going through the book of Acts. So we'll, we'll get to that in just a moment. Um, today is the first Sunday of the month, and we usually take communion the first Sunday of the month. We usually do it at the end of service, but today we're doing it right now right now. So if you thought you were going to have time to work your way into it, forget it. We're doing it right now. We're taking communion. Thank you so much. So we're going to pass the elements. As as they're doing that, I want to um, say a big thank you to our worship team and uh, and Seth leading us in worship. You guys, so well done. Today I had the privilege of running the soundboard, and that's one of my favorite things to do when um, when I'm not on the platform is run sound. So I got to hear all the little things that you guys would never know and never notice. I get to notice them, and it's fun. You guys are very good, and we thank you for your service. Um, communion, we're doing it first today because it sets the stage for everything that's happening in our study in Acts. Um, Communion was one of the last things that Jesus established uh, with his disciples before the crucifixion, before the resurrection, and it's one of the few uh, things that he directed for the church to continue. As often as you do it, do these things in remembrance of me, he said, taking the bread and the cup. These are symbols, of course. We do not believe that these are actually his body and his blood. That would be silly, okay? Um, but this is, this is a cracker, a bread, and this is grape juice. They symbolize his body and how he gave it for us and what it did, and it symbolizes his blood and the new covenant that we have. They're vivid reminders of the foundation on which everything we do is based. You see, things can get twisted and they can get convoluted when you don't have your firm foundation, when you are uh, distracted, the storms can take you down. Jesus said, uh, blessed is the one who, who builds his house on the rock. The one who builds his house on the sand is susceptible to storms. His foundation isn't, isn't firm, and he might get taken down when the storm comes. But we remember our foundation today. We remember what Jesus has done for us. His body carried the weight of our sin not just our actions, but our condition as well. And so we take the bread together in remembrance of what Jesus has done for us. He's taken our sin. We'll take it together. The cup symbolizes his blood. His blood that he poured out for us provides a new covenant this is where we are purified, how we are purified. This is how we're able to be in direct relationship with God because the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Now we're able to enter into that relationship freely and without condemnation. So we take the cup together. Lord Jesus, we do this today in remembrance of you. We refresh our memory. We remember what you have done for us. As we're studying your word today, we're not just, we're not just doing a book study. We are hearing from you. We, this is our life. This is our source of life. You are our source of life, and we take you seriously today. Remind us of our foundation. In your name, Amen. Amen. Um, let's go ahead and pick up those cups too. If you could pass those to the center aisle, we'll run a basket down there and pick up the cups. That way you don't have a thing to fidget with for the next 40 minutes. I'm not going for an hour. I'm not going for an hour. (laughs) I appreciate the encouragement. Um, I don't know if everybody else has that same sentiment there. For many years in our country, uh, believers have enjoyed the sweetest liberties and freedoms any generation in the church has ever experienced. Um, In the foundations, written into the foundations of our country are these freedoms and liberties. Yet, we may not always have those. We may not always enjoy the liberties that we now hold. The culture in our nation has shifted, and it has grown darker in recent days. Though we have been able to gather and worship freely, and we take advantage of that, um, and even seeing uh, benefit in society if we are Christians and part of a church and, and all that, um, it's, it's now becoming easier to keep our mouths shut, to keep ourselves out of hot water, because it's not always favorable to, to be a Christian now. That's just on the social level there there could be a time not far away where the very mission we're on as a church is legislated against and our government might take opposition to the church. Well what then? How would we respond as a disciple of Jesus as a group of disciples of Jesus? How would we respond when there was actual opposition? to the gospel. Actual opposition to who we are supposed to be. In Acts chapter 4, which is where we're going today, the apostles and the other believers were quickly finding themselves in a world that wanted to squash their message. Even as God was working powerfully and people were being saved and healed and the church was growing um, and more and more people were coming to faith, The enemy and the world were opposing them with frightening intensity. Today's message is titled, Boldness to Disobey. And if you are a kid in here, I am not talking about your parents. (laughs)
1: Let's
0: open our Bibles together. We're in Acts chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 18. Lord, would you open your word to us? Teach us, correct us, encourage us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Verse 18, when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. And when they had threatened them further, they let them go, finding no basis on which to punish them, on account of the people, because they were all glorifying God for what had happened. For the man, the man formerly known as Lame, was more than 40 years old, on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. When they had been released, they went to their own companions, the other believers, and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they lifted up their voices to God with one accord and said, O Lord, it is you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of our father David your servant, said, Why did the Gentiles rage, and the people divides futile things? The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly, in this city there were gathered against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place that they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and
1: began to speak the word of God with boldness. Amen. What a wild time to be living in.
0: It wasn't too long before that moment that they were all just being good regular Jews. And then Jesus came and messed everything up. <laughs> he turned the system on its head. And, and now those who put their faith in him were finding themselves in a bit of a quandary. There was, there was people who didn't agree with their take on who Jesus was. They had enemies now. There was danger. There was risk. But at the same time, God was moving. He was moving in power. The lame man was healed. Uh, uh, Over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the man formerly known as lame. And all of this is happening that we're reading today because of that miracle that happened right in the temple courts in front of hundreds, thousands of good Jews. And many of them put their faith in Jesus. People were getting saved. Many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles. That's what Scripture tells us. The authorities did not approve of this message. They did not like this this guy Jesus. We already saw how they tried to deal with him. Um, and now, here in this moment, after after this miracle, Peter and John say it's by the name of Jesus that he was healed. The leaders don't know what to do. The people everywhere are getting excited. And they're they're starting to, you know, take a positive view of this new sect in Judaism. Well, the leaders don't like that, but they're kind of stuck. So they just tell them, hey, it's now forbidden for you to speak in this name of Jesus. They were saying, in essence, that the name of Jesus was a different God. Different than God, the God Yahweh whom we are to serve. You can't talk in Jesus' name because that would be idolatry. You can't do that. These authorities had power to ruin the lives of the people they were threatening. It said they threatened them severely. Um, they could kick them out of the marketplaces and synagogues, which was all the social and economic support that made life happen. You could be removed from that. They could also be physically hurt or killed. If they really nailed you for idolatry or for um, worshiping another god, apostasy, or, or drawing other people to worship another god as they were trying to paint this to be, then, then you were dead. Like, they would kill you very quickly um, and then deal with the Romans later. Peter and John had not necessarily helped to the situation, uh they had been somewhat bold and forthright in their hearing uh, with the authorities, and on their way out, as a parting comment, as it were, said, "I don't know. You think we should obey God or you? <laughs> what do you I don't know. You you decide. You, you guys are smart guys. What do you think?" And uh, really put them in a in a spot. It, we see this in the political world today, where this is a tough question answered. You're kind of it's a gotcha moment, and you're trapped. And if you answer one way, you're wrong. If you answer another way, you're wrong. And those are your only two options. So they didn't say anything. They didn't say anything. So Peter and John are released. They go. Scripture says they go and they join the other believers. And this is the fascinating part of this story for me. We we see everywhere people getting in trouble and 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 uh, struggles and challenges for believers. But the way that the, these believers responded to this challenge, um, is pretty wild. Pretty wild. After having to face the Sanhedrin and declare that they were going to obey God rather than them, um, Peter and John are now with their fellow believers. <coughs> Pardon me, and. And it says, they immediately prayed. They didn't strategize. Pardon me. They didn't strategize. They didn't think about, um, you know, okay, how should we approach this? They just immediately went to prayer. Their prayers show what they believed about God. And so we look at their prayer. They start in verse 24. And um, they... they say several things about god now when you're praying you're talking to god and they're saying things about god and it's important to realize that god has not forgotten who he is right you're not reminding god that he's awesome and great and powerful he did not forget that but we forget that our hearts forget that our souls forget that and so so when they're saying these things it's it's declaring the truth declaring this reality over themselves, in their own minds, and their hearts, and into the situation they're in. The first thing they said was, he was master. He was their rightful owner. He was the, the, the one in control. He was their creator. There was nobody else. This is, These are kind of the, the top positions here. Anything else is underneath this. He was their master, their creator. He is powerful beyond comprehension. He made the heavens and the earth and the seas and everything in them. This is the God who we're talking about. This is the God who we're praying to. He is the foreknower. He knew that all this was going to happen. In fact, he, he worked these, these authorities to do exactly what he said he was going to do or what he said was going to happen. He was in control and could take charge and direct events in the political landscape, in whatever was going on. It really came down to a big God, little devil mindset, right? Sometimes we get all wrapped up in our situation, our problems, our enemies, our our challenges, and, and, and those things become the biggest thing in our life. And God... Though he has not changed in nature, in our minds and in our hearts has become a much smaller portion of how we think and how we're operating. This was the opposite of that. This was making God way bigger, way bigger than than those that opposed them. The God who sent Jesus was was powerful. The God who sent the Messiah was on their side and he was moving and the signs and wonders weren't for nothing. They were little tokens of who God is. He is big. He is powerful. And they believed he was bigger and more powerful than those that opposed him. This is where their heart was at. They were not overwhelmed in the face of opposition. If you've read the Bible much beyond this, you know that this is not the end of their opposition. This is just the beginning. and They're just getting warmed up. They didn't even get beat in this one. <laughs> They're going to get beat later. <laughs> but their, their mindset will stay the same. Go ahead, beat me. That doesn't change reality at all. That doesn't change who God is. That doesn't change what we're about
1: or what is happening right now. Then they get to their request. And this
0: part of their prayer shows what, God, what they believed God wanted them to do. They were clear on what their job was. They knew that they weren't just saved and redeemed by Jesus and that was it. They were saved and redeemed by Jesus and set apart for the work of the ministry. They were, they were ministers of the gospel. They were to make disciples of all nations, preaching the gospel everywhere they went.
1: They, they knew that. So the request um reminds
0: reminds us of that. They were focused. They said, see their threats. In a way, this was asking for protection, but you don't get the idea that they're begging here. They're not, they're not going, oh God, help. Help, because they're gonna, they're gonna punish us. They're gonna they're gonna carry out on all these threats and we know we have to speak your name, but oh help us us. Maybe we should just hide. we just hide in this room. And no, no, but said, see their threats. Lord, be aware of what's going on. You're aware. We give this to you, see their threats. But this was a prayer of protection for protection in faith. They were speaking in faith in the context of all this they had just said about who God is. If he is this big God, this powerful God, then Hey, he's aware of this, and he will take care of us.
1: They didn't whine about it being hard. They didn't even ask for justice. Ooh, I'd be asking for justice. I'm just, I'm just be straight up with you. I'd... Lord, it ain't right. It's not
0: right. You asked me to do this. And they're, they're crossing you. So you need to handle that over there. You need to, you need to deal with those guys. I think of uh, John. John was one of these two that was in this moment. Uh, John and his brother James were the, the sons of thunder. They're the ones that wanted to call fire down from heaven to destroy the village that rejected Jesus.
1: It's already in there. They're already thinking this way. That, that would have been me. Instead, they asked for boldness. Empower us to speak. I know they
0: told us we shouldn't speak, and they forbid, forbade that, that we use the name of Jesus. But that doesn't change our mission and our mandate, so we're going to keep doing that. But, Lord, give us boldness. I, it, almost, it almost, the next step is give us boldness to get into more trouble. Right? <laughs> We'll get into the balance and tact of that later, but that's... They said, extend your hand. They were asking God for more of what he was already doing. More signs and wonders, more healings. Why? Because that was the evidence that God was real and moving and active and that Jesus was his son. They would preach in the name of Jesus and signs and wonders would follow God backing up the name Jesus of his son. This is the way you are to be saved. You are to put your faith in Jesus. And here's a little bit of evidence to back
1: that up, that I am in this. Extend your hand. Back it up. Give us boldness to speak and then back it up. Man, what a prayer. What a What a prayer. They
0: understood what their priorities were. They understood who God was and what he'd asked them to do. And at this point in history, the church is absolutely unstoppable. Completely unstoppable. You can threaten them. Later on, we'll see you can kill them. You can can beat them. They understood. They understood who God was. They understood the... Perspective that they should have on physical life and, and eternal life and salvation and and mission and who God was, and that we could give him and should give him
1: total allegiance, God answered that prayer in that moment
0: he responded immediately, sometimes sometimes we don't see with our physical eyes or or sense with our senses God's answer immediately. But in this moment, it was instantaneous. God responded. Scripture says the place was shaken. There was a physical manifestation of his power and and a sign that he was indeed answering them. He was blessing them with his presence. I bet if this happened more than once, and I, and I I think it probably did, I bet their neighbors got tired of them having prayer meetings next door. (laughs) Just freaking clean the dishes and put them on the shelf. Now they're rattling off the shelf and falling all over the place. Stop it with the earthquakes. What are you doing? Tunneling to China, right? Doing all this. What's the neighbor doing? They were having a prayer meeting
1: and the Lord answered. (laughs) They were all filled with the Holy Spirit.
0: Not baptized as as it was at Pentecost with the initial filling, the first time. But but you know that you can be baptized of the Holy Spirit, have a powerful encounter with God, and a week later you probably need the same thing again. Maybe the next day. Maybe in about three hours. That's, um, that's kind of how we, we roll as humans. They needed to be filled. They needed to be topped off, as it were, especially if they're asking for boldness. Because when you're going to act in boldness, you want to do that right, and you're going to need the wisdom of the Spirit. You're going to need His guiding and His leading. You're going to need to see what He sees, hear what He's saying. That's going to need to be the case if you're going to work this way. But they were refilled and refreshed, set up for success by the Holy Spirit. And then Scripture says they spoke boldly. They stepped out in the the provision that God had given them. This was the evidence that God had answered their prayer. They asked for boldness, they got boldness. And they got the the spirit-filled wisdom with it. They spoke boldly in the face of possible punishment. And much to the chagrin of the religious leaders, there was more than just two of them. Now there's a whole bunch of Christians out there speaking boldly in the name of Jesus. Now, I'm not pretending that those were the only two prior to this. Those were just the most prominent ones. But all they did was pour gasoline on the fire here. The religious leaders got exactly the opposite of what they tried for. Instead of quieting Peter and John, they fanned the flame of the movement, and and that eventually carried the gospel and the name of Jesus into the rest of the world. And that was a thing they didn't want to happen. (laughs) I wonder if you and I had been in that room
1: with them in that situation, would we have joined them in that prayer? I told you kind of where, where I would go with it. I'd be asking for justice and
0: probably close to revenge. Uh, you know, I would, I would find a way to spiritualize that and not say revenge, though. <laughs> vengeance, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. It would be difficult not to notice how dark our world has gotten. I began this by asking how we might respond if we were threatened with punishment for speaking in the name of Jesus if our government you know legislated against things that we were used to or or if culture got so bad that
1: there was in fact open persecution and what would we do how would we respond
0: What if we were required by law to do things which were counter
1: to the Word of God? Or God's clear instruction to us? The believers in Acts immediately went to prayer. And their prayer was amazing.
0: Would we have begged God for deliverance from discomfort? Or might we do that when trouble comes? Would we go the route of then the zealots and the separatists and take up arms?
1: With physical weapons and and violence? That was a real thing going on. Would we have tried to use their own system against them? That did happen occasionally. Paul was pretty good at that. We're going to have to be willing to face our world and our society, our culture,
0: and to do that well, we will need that refilling of the Holy Spirit. We can ask for boldness, but we're not asking to be stupid. You understand what I'm saying? Like you can be bold and stupid or you can be bold and smart. Sometimes your wisdom is stupid. That wasn't even in my notes. That was just for free. Sometimes you think it's a good idea and you will do do exactly the opposite of godly wisdom. So if we're going to do this well, if we're going to ask for boldness and walk in the spirit and and if we have to be ready to disobey then how do we do that? Number 1, we want to decide who our master is. It's easy to say this and a little bit different to really process through who's your master? Is is your master yourself? Comfort, nobody's telling me what to do. I get to I get to decide for me. Free will, right? Is the master the world around you and what people think about you? Or is your master God Almighty who gave his son for you? Who created the heavens and the earth? When you know who your master is, then you can set your boundaries. And when I'm told to do this or when this is when this crossed, this line... Then, then I, I I will have to respectfully disobey. I can't do that because God said to do otherwise.
1: Okay, I'll say it.
0: We uh, it was just almost a, two years ago now. Um, we started services November one of twenty twenty, and November fifteenth we were having service, and there was I'm gonna okay. Speak wisely here. Um, there was, at the same time, a statement from our governor going on. And in that statement, there, there were some, some things that, you know, you could interpret as mandates or recommendations or, you know, and it was pretty muddy at the time. But basically, the, the thing was, no, he didn't want churches gathering anyways, but he, now he was like, no singing no singing in church, and it was it was modeled after the California move and and all that. But all the churches in the area were like, w- uh, okay, so now now we have to process now because in Scripture you you could definitely make the case that God says sing, sing now, and this is part of who the people of God are going back going back way before Christ, but we we sing our praise to God. This is, and in the Psalms, we're commanded to sing, to sing. And, okay, so the government says no singing.
1: This is, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Now,
0: you could be defiant and say, you know, (laughs) oh yeah? (laughs) Try and stop me. Right? I might have had some of that attitude on the inside, <laughs> on the inside, not the outside. Um, but that was a boundary. And for us as a church, for as a, as a body of believers, that was a boundary. Like, now I understand the health, the health concerns and all that. Okay. All right. But, but as a, just forget COVID for a minute, forget, forget all that. Just like no singing, all right, that was a line we were not willing to go. So at that point, we had to know our boundary and say, "We're, we're gonna, we're gonna have to disobey on this one." You, d- you decide. Is it better that we obey God or, or man? All right. Uh, I mean, you can decide for yourself. You, we'll decide for
1: us. Know your boundaries. And be prepared to disobey
0: when there is a conflict between what God says, our Master says, and what the world says. We'll need to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. In Matthew ten sixteen, Jesus was sending his disciples out to minister, and he was preparing them for future ministry as well telling them how to behave and, and how to be in the world that was going to cause them trouble and be opposed to their mission. He said, don't get yourself in trouble for picking the wrong reasons. Uh, for, don't get yourself in trouble for the wrong reasons or pick unnecessary fights. Don't Don't pick unnecessary fights. If there's going to be trouble, and there will be, because he said there would be trouble. But if there's going to be trouble, you make darn sure that it's about the name of Jesus and God's clear commands. You don't need to be in trouble because you did something stupid. Okay? That, that's not helpful. That doesn't help you. That cloudies, uh, clouds up the stuff and muddies up the, the waters and, and hurts the cause of the gospel. But if there's going to be trouble, you make sure it's about Jesus. That means you you keep yourself on the straight and narrow. That means you keep following. That means you be full of the Spirit and full of God's wisdom. Be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. You pick your fights well. Um, It's not about... Hear me on this. I'm going to develop
1: this a little bit. This is not about constitutional or legal rights. Now, I have said many times in the last couple years, one of the problems that the church has
0: faced in all of this was we have confused our Constitution with our Bible. The Constitution is a wonderful document. It is not the Bible. Okay? So, when we are going to pick our fights, It is not, as far as the gospel and as far as being believers go, then it will be a clear contradiction to a command from God.
1: Okay. That said, we'll need to keep our focus on people and not politics.
0: I'm not saying that we should abdicate our position or authority in the political world. No. I am saying that in whatever realm we are in and whatever conversation we are in, the main point, the main point, our mission must be primary. The main point is people. It's to win souls. It's to make disciples. That's our main point. That's our thing. It's not to reform or rescue a legal system made by man. Now, we, we exist in that, so we would like to improve that. We, you know, great. You, you should contend for righteousness. You should vote. You should even campaign for the righteous candidate. Absolutely. Just remember that the whole point is people finding Jesus. Not creating a nicer society. Scripture provides no backing for that position. Think about the church in places where it's not even legal to have church. China, Iran, Afghanistan, etc. Believers are focused, hyper-focused on saving individuals. And the church is exploding with growth in those areas. The power of God is evident and backing up the preaching of the gospel in
1: Jesus' name. That's where the church grows. That's where people come to know God.
0: The next thing is we need to be self-aware. This is a little harder. We actually had a whole message on being self-aware some time ago. Take the log out of your own eye. Don't spend your time and energy criticizing the world and sinful things about a society that doesn't even know God. They don't even know you. How would they know that that's wrong? All they hear is a church harping on, they're doing it wrong. And you're evil and you're sinful. And, and... I, that, I, I overspoke that. I said, all they hear is that, okay, that, in those moments, in those conversations, in that mode, that's what they hear. That's what they hear. We have enough of our own issues to deal with personally. As we pursue holiness, as we pursue God, as we want to be like Jesus, we've got our own issues to deal with. And we have an awareness of who God is and who Jesus is and what he's done for us, so we should be a little more self-accountable. Why would they listen to us if our lives look no different than theirs? Take the log out of our own eye. Be aware of our own personal self. If we are missing personal holiness, if we are missing spiritual power, if there's no prayer in our lives, if we have forgotten the power of the gospel in our own lives, then what are they going to see? They're just going to hear you harping on their, how you don't like how they're
1: doing it. Jesus said, let them see your good works and glorify your father in heaven.
0: We can just sound really judgy and turn people
1: away from God instead of drawing them to Him. Next, we'll need to, and
0: finally, in this list, not exhaustive, but just some good ones brought up by the passage, we need to thankfully remember our assignment. We need to remember our mission. We need to keep it first. God placed me here. My master who made me placed me here in this time. He made me specifically for this situation. He placed me here in this place with these people. This is my generation. This is my city. This is my state. My nation. This is my church family. Where I hear the word of God where I worship, where I fellowship, where I pray,
1: give, and serve. We got to remember that he's the master and he's given us an
0: assignment here in this time with these people in this situation. If it came to it, if we had to obey or disobey our government or authorities, because it was a clear contradiction of what God said, then here's what we'll do. We will pray for boldness to speak in his name and for an even more powerful move of the Holy Spirit to back it up. He will answer us. He will give us the boldness and he will back up his word with signs and
1: wonders i don't know if i feel ready all the time for the
0: skies to go black and the antichrist to come and all that but i have this model here when when things get hard when when something turns against and there's a real challenge and a real counter to to faith in jesus christ we know how to pray but we will have to be in a mindset and and in a place where god is really our master where his mission is really our mission not okay not just a lifestyle not just a nice way of living, a good code of conduct with a nice set of rules, and if we do it this way, it works out better for us in the long run. Hogwash. It's not supposed to work out better for you in the long run. We're called to be martyrs. We're called to be witnesses. We're called to take his name. And, and
1: Jesus said there will be trouble. Your turn.
0: So it would be awkward coming to a place to pray for boldness if those things were not settled. Would it not? It would just be really natural and easy to just go with the flow and and okay, okay, okay. We'll keep it down. We'll we'll, uh, we'll we won't we won't hold, you know, public gatherings. We won't preach in the name of Jesus. We won't um talk about the things that he's done in our lives. But if he's our master and if we respond to the way that he gave his life for us and we give our life to him and we have submitted ourselves to him, Paul says that, that it's now no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me. It's him who lives in me. In other words, my life is is his to use. His priorities are my priorities. His mission is my mission. The mission to, to save as many people as possible. To draw as many souls to salvation as possible. He's my master. That means I do his mission. Now, in that mode and in that mentality, I can say, Lord, I'm about your mission. It's challenging right now. I'm asking for boldness to complete the mission. I'm asking for strength to do what you've asked me to do. And please back me up. And you know He will. Scripture says he will. It demonstrates he will. We've seen it in our lives. Our lives that he will. Let's pray together. Lord, we want to we want to be in a place where this could be our prayer. Where we could ask for boldness to stand in the face of opposition in, in official venues. To be willing to disobey and, and take the repercussions because we have a greater master with a higher mission. Lord, sometimes our hearts aren't, aren't in that place. We're pretty comfortable. And when we gave our heart to you, it wasn't necessarily with known risks or or danger involved. But Lord, you have something for us to do and if we have indeed given our lives to you then that's what we need to be about. Lord, in our time with you would you refresh us? Fill us with your spirit, with your wisdom Help us to live according to your ways so as to not, not muddy the waters, to keep the gospel clear and central. Lord, draw our hearts closer to you. Be the biggest thing in our world. Big God, little devil. Big God, little challenges. Big God, little everything else. so that it would just be natural to follow you rather than men. Lord, give us boldness. Give us boldness. Help us to speak. Holy Spirit, highlight times and places and people where we need to speak and give us boldness and faith to obey quickly. And then, Lord, would you back up your word and back up the speaking of your Son's name with power signs and wonders. Lord, give us
1: boldness today. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.